to New World next week. I'm James Corbett at CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. Our IQ scores dropping like flies. We've got that story, plus scared politicians get strapped. But first, peace is bad for business. War stocks plummet. After Trump-Kim summit, American defense contractors were practically drooling over the prospect of all-out war with North Korea as Trump was all fire and fury last year. But Tuesday's summit between Trump and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un appears to have dampened war profiteers' dreams of yet another catastrophic U.S.-led military conflict, at least for now. Demonstrating that even the slightest whiff of peace is enough to scare investors in America's most profitable military contractors as Trump and Kim were signing a vague, non-binding agreement that's merely the first step towards a lasting diplomatic solution. Shares of Raytheon fell 2.6%, Lockheed Martin tumbled 1%, Northrop Grumman declined 1.3%, Boeing dipped 0.2%, and General Dynamics fell 1%. Financial analyst Brad McMillan said falling defense stocks represent investors' fear that the chance for a hot war between U.S. and North Korea, which he describes as one of the big potential growth stories recently, could be slipping away. If weapons are used, they need to be replaced. That makes war a growth story for these stocks. What the agreement between Trump and Kim does, at least for a while, is take military conflict off the table. But as Mint Press News notes, before we get all excited, let's remember that both fake sides in the U.S. Congress just passed a $717 billion war pigs budget, much of which will pretty much go right back into the pockets of the aforementioned companies. James, there's a lot of different angles to discuss on the whole Trump-Kim summit, but I think this is a particularly telling one. It is, but I wouldn't be crying tears in my beers for the military-industrial complex quite yet. Um, And as, obviously, as Mint Press News notes there, yes, a new record-breaking war pigs budget just being passed by the bipartisan monopoly, really, of power there in the United States. And it is true, it is absolutely true that the North Korea hype of the last several years has contributed greatly to the overall defense budgets here in the Asia-Pacific region, and Asia-Pacific, I think, has been the second highest growth of defense, uh, overall defense spending. Defense, haha. <laughs> Let's stop using the euphemisms offense spending um, in the entire world o- over the last several years, specifically, I think, because justified by the hype surrounding North Korea. I don't think it's actually justified, obviously, by North Korea, but they use everything as the carte blanche excuse. That's why South Korea and Japan are getting all droneized and getting all these uh, anti-aircraft missile systems in place that, again, missile defense against North Korea, whereas, uh, obviously, I think we know it's aimed at China and other places as well. So it's it's been that boogeyman that has been the convenient excuse for spending money like there's no tomorrow. So if you took that boogeyman man out of the equation, it would be at least somewhat more difficult to justify some of this quote-unquote defense spending. But it will probably happen anyway. (laughs) I mean, let's have no delusions about that. Secondly, uh, well, this whole Trump-Kim deal statement, whatever it is, uh, is very much in the eyes of the beholder, the perspective of the eyes of the beholder. Uh, For example, you might look at Peter Van Buren talking about how this is great, this can be a turning point, this is a new era of relations, blah, blah, blah. And contrast that with Daniel Larison, writing in The American Conservative, uh, read the Trump-Kim memorandum, The Devil is in the Details, where he says you should actually read the statement itself that they signed and note that it uh, has absolute, it has even less substance than was being expected in terms of any concrete details of anything, which is 
to be expected on one level. This is a leader summit that's happening before any concrete negotiations have happened. Of course, what are they going to come out with? No, clearly they're just going to come out with some mealy-mouthed political let's work together statement that means absolutely nothing. So that's what it accomplished. It has, I mean, at any rate, it isn't fire and brimstone and we're going to nuke you to death kind of rhetoric, so yay. But, as Daniel Larrison points out, this leaves a gigantic door open for the warmongers, the Boltons, and the other people we know already have and will continue to try to undermine any talk of uh, peace on the Korean Peninsula. It leaves a gigantic barn door open for them to, to sabotage this non-deal, this whatever it is, this statement in so many different ways. So in the coming months, I mean, as if the neocons are just going to go, okay, oh well. I mean, obviously, this is just a big open door for them to start driving things through and, uh, oh look, they didn't agree to this and this and this, therefore the, the deal's off, we got to nuke them to death. So I don't think this is the end of the story by any means. It is the beginning. It's just a question of what kind of story will this become? And uh, I'm not holding my breath that the military-industrial complex is just going to shrivel up and go away because of this i was talking a couple mornings ago on my morning show that the council on foreign relations have pretty much also been pushing the idea that it doesn't really matter what comes out of this the cyber attacks from north korea are still going to continue and interestingly enough in my chat i had a, more than a couple of folks saying they expect kim jong-un to basically get the gaddafi treatment as maybe they'll get the, the libya treatments as well so all of that remains to be seen as we move to our second story this week on New World Next Week, episode 343 for June 14th, 2018, politicians fear for safety as threats against Congress skyrocket. This via actually an original piece from the New York Post. Representative Barry Loudermilk of Georgia bought body armor. Representative Greg Harper hired armed security guards for events back home in Mississippi. And Representative Dan Donovan fortified his Brooklyn and Staten Island offices with security cameras and buzzer systems. This is the new normal for members of Congress. One year after the horrific congressional baseball shooting that almost took the life of Representative Steve Scalise, members are keenly aware that serving in public office has put a target on their backs. Interestingly enough, James, one year later, the GOP team will make a triumphant return to the charity base baseball game on June 14th, pretty much as this goes to press at Nationals Park in the District of Criminals. But they claim that the threats against Congress have skyrocketed. In 2016, there were 902 threatening incidents and in communications against members of Congress. By 2017, the reports had more than doubled to about 2,000, according to the House Sergeant at Arms Office. In response, the House Administration Committee allocated $25,000 to each member in 2017 and again in 2018. No small amount. That's $25 million just printed out of thin air, thin air to beef up their personal and office security, prompting members to hire bodyguards for events and equip offices with panic buttons and shatter-resistant glass. In recognition of the threat level, the Federal Election Commission also ruled in July 2017 that lawmakers can also use campaign funds, those typically spent on TV propaganda ads and junk mail, to install security systems in their homes. And members of Congress aren't actually allowed to carry around their licensed concealed guns while in Washington, taking away one option to defend themselves. So, James, again, interestingly, this article, and it goes on and on and on. And again, everything that we say and play will always be included in the show notes. So you can continue the research and again, read the documents for yourself. 
it comes originally from the New York Post, and I was pretty sure off the top of my head, I was like, oh, that's a Murdoch joint, right? I wanted to double check, and I hopped over to the Wikipedia page, and their Wikipedia page for the New York Post uses the front page of the New York Post from August, is it 2017? The live televised murders of TV journalists Allison Parker and Adam Mord. I found it just an extra bit of kind of synchromistic threadaganda, if you will, on top of, of course, the constant hype of murder and mayhem. James, Congress getting strapped. Yeah, well, if you are angry at the politicians and the things that they are affecting, yeah, I understand that on one level. But if you are... If you think violence uh, against the Congress critters is the solution to anything, then you are playing this game all wrong. You don't understand what is happening. It is, we've talked about it before, politics is the Plato cave allegory. You are watching the shadows on the wall, and that is the show that they want you to fixate on. Do not look behind you. Do not look at the people who are standing in front of the fire moving the puppets around so that you can see this shadow uh, play on the wall. This idea of getting you know, angry at Congress or hurting Congress people is like literally like punching the cave wall. It's not going to do anything except batter your own hand when, of course, they go, look, look at these violent protesters, these violent terrorists. We got to deal with them. Now we need more clampdown. That's all that that would ever effectuate. And you will do nothing to the actual string pullers who are pulling these political puppet strings. That's the point of this. So, in fact, this actually works on a double level. Of course, if if people do go crazy and start shooting up congressmen or whatever it is, then again, they can clamp down and say, look, it's the terrorists and we gotta, we need a full-on 3,000% security state to, to protect us. Also, part of this is intimidation of Congress itself. Look at all these threats. Look at all these things that are happening. It's you versus them. It's creating this gulf. And that's an important psychological factor in all of this. Remember what Cynthia McKinney said about the, the, uh, the, 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 the environment on Capitol Hill in the weeks and months following the anthrax attacks back in 2001, 9-11 and the anthrax attacks. It was against Congress people themselves. You know, you're you're the target. This is all happening to you, so you better start passing, you know, the uh, authorization for use of military force and other things so we can get these terrorists. Because, again, these are real human beings who themselves are going through this intimidation process, which, uh, if you go back in my archives and listen to my interview with Graham McQueen about the anthrax deception, I can't remember which interview it was, probably interview 944, but anyway, he specifically points out that part of the anthrax deception was about intimidating Congress. Congress so that they would go along with the Patriot Act and authorization for use of military force and all of these things that that passed in the in the wake of that terror attack. So this is what this is about. It's as if, you know, violence against Congress critters is going to solve anything. That's that's looking at this in precisely the wrong way and having no understanding about what's really happening. It's the string pullers. It's not the shadows on the wall that we should be directing our anger towards. You're exactly right. Or as maybe James, as the kids would say, you're doing it wrong. Our third and final story is a really interesting one, James. It takes us to an interesting site we've probably never cited before, medicalexpress.com. And that's because the original source from the Times Online is, of course, behind the paywall. But interestingly enough, James, I actually kind of find this to be a more succinct version without a lot of the extra sort of social and politicization of it all. Researchers find IQ scores dropping since the 1970s. A pair of researchers in Norway have found that IQ test scores have been slowly dropping over the past several decades. 
prior studies have shown that people grew smarter over the first part of the last century as measured by the intelligence quotient, IQ, a trend that was dubbed the Flynn effect. Various theories have been proposed to explain this apparent brightening of the human mind, such as better nutrition, better health care, better education, etc., all factors that might help people grow into smarter adults than they would have otherwise. But now, according to researchers in Norway, that trend has ended. Instead of getting smarter, humans have started getting dumber. The study by the team consisted of analyzing IQ test results from young men entering Norway's national service. That's compulsory military duty. Remember that when people are sort of praising Norway and they've got universal health care and universal basic incomes. Like, yeah, they also have military conscription as well. Sidebar. Young men entering Norway's national service during the years 1970 to 2009. In all, 730,000 test results were accounted for. In studying the data, the researchers found that scores declined by an average of seven points per generation, a clear reversal of tests going back approximately 70 years ago. But it was not all bad news. The researchers also found some differences between family groups, suggesting that some of the decline might be due to environmental factors but they also suggest that lifestyle changes could account for some of the decline as well, such as changes in the education system and children reading less and playing video games more. Sadly, other researchers found similar results. British team found IQ scores fallen two and a half to 4.3 points every decade since approximately the end of World War II. As uh, this past December, another group from the U.S. found that kids who grew up eating a lot of fish tended to have higher IQs, and they slept better too, which is another factor involved in adult intelligence levels. Notably, children in many countries in the modern era eat very little fish. Now, we will include the half-paywalled story, Dumb and Dumber, Why We're Getting Less Intelligent. That comes from the time and the original piece of research we will link you back to, Flynn effect and its reversal are both environmentally caused. Now, James, we can even note a little behind the scenes. I was going to say at the beginning of the episode, IQ scores are dropping like flies, but we noted we should maybe change that to a question. Are IQ scores dropping like flies? And from what we can tell from the research, they are with dudes in Norway, right? <laughs> exactly. This this story and the incredible hype and coverage it's getting, you just type it into a you know Google News search or whatever, and you'll find dozens and dozens of results on all sorts of different sites, and they're hyping this. Oh, IQ scores are dropping. People are getting dumber. This is, uh, you know, what's happening to the youth? Because this is headline fodder. This is also scientific illiteracy 101. Um, n- number one, go to the actual study itself. And, I mean, even note the study's title, um, Flynn Effect and its reversal are both environmentally caused, which should show us something about how this isn't about just, oh, you know, young people today are stupid. It's, well, there's something going on here, and it seems to have environmental factors at play. But as you say, this is from a study that's been done, and it, it's uh, followed, I think, 730,000 IQ tests over several decades of Norwegian men, specifically. So, yes, it's a very specific sample. And in fact, the data shows that that is not happening worldwide. Uh, I'll throw in a link to a meta-analysis that was done in 2014, the Flynn effect, a meta-analysis that shows that up to that point, 2014, it was a global global phenomenon of about three points uh, rise in IQ per decade. And there was another um, meta-analysis in 2015, one century of global IQ gains, a formal meta-analysis of the Flynn effect. So again, these are 
global phenomena that are happening in Norway specifically, as well as in, I believe, Britain and a couple of other places, it's been documented there has been an IQ decline in a couple of um, uh, studies. Now, again, what does this actually mean and what does this suggest? I find it interesting that that uh, article you're quoting from says, it's not all bad news. Guess what, guys? Good news. It's environmental. <laughs> well, I'm not sure that is good news, really, because that means we are engineering an environment where people are actually losing IQ because... Whatever it is, the children are being uh, on their screens all day or whatever it is. Um, so that's not necessarily a good thing. And in fact, it could be an extremely dark thing. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know about Rick Nevin or his work on Lucifer Curves, the legacy of lead poisoning, showing the incredible correlation between all of these things, delinquency and high crime and everything, and lead, and the lead poisoning that was uh, prevalent uh, because of the uh, high, high abundance of lead in the environment, 50, 60 years ago, that is an incredible instance of this type of thing where clearly there can be an environmental factor that's very specific and can have a very simple solution that can truly take care of a lot of problems. And if we don't see that, then that is a huge problem. Um, so the question is, well, what environmental um, uh, factors are playing into this IQ decline in certain parts of certain countries among certain age groups. And there are, you know, 50,000 candidates, I'm sure, that we could come up with off the top of our head for those environmental factors, and probably all of them play some point part in, in this, right? The other thing to think about here is, again, what is the IQ test testing? And is it accurately capturing what it is that it was capturing about the population a century ago? I mean, the way that these tests are structured and delivered and what they actually measure um, may be less of a tool for understanding how it is we relate to the world in, uh, in the current day and age. I mean, there are a thousand factors that go into that alone, which to be fair, if you actually read the Times piece or if you read some of these lengthier pieces about this study, they get into some of that detail and quote, psychologists and others talking about, well, you know, this doesn't necessarily mean that. It could just mean that we need to restructure this and blah, blah, blah. But all of that nuance is lost in the headlines. Dumb and dumber, they're all getting stupid. Uh, why are children so stupid these days? Which, of course, just uh, drives a further wedge through the population. We're divided along race, we're divided along sex, gender, orientation, all of this, and we're divided along generational lines. So now it's uh, fun for the older people to hate on the millennials and the millennials to hate on the boomers that caused all the problems, and it's just another rift uh, amongst the population. Whereas, you know, the, the fundamental underlying environmental factors that may be playing a part in this are much more important and deserve much more study. I think it's interesting we spoke about this just briefly before we started to roll on this that I, I find it, it it relates in some ways to most of our causes of death anymore are completely avoidable and that it could be, again, a sort of environmental factor that, again, maybe there are some changes that perhaps might need to be made. I think, James, we were talking about mentioning ones off the top of our head. One of my favorites and studies to point out for one of my least favorite forms of kind of social and environmental pollution, dryer sheets, lower IQ. There's research showing that those stinky, horrible dryer sheets, lower IQ in children in which they are used around. So I'll include that in the show notes and all, all the other bits that we mention here, James, I like to mention at the end of the shows that I broadcast my own stream Monday through Friday, nine to five mediamonarchy.com slash listen, news, music, memes, and more James. James, you've just shown why East Asians have the highest IQ in the world. We don't have dryers in Japan, so there you go. <laughs> no no <laughs> IQ loss from those dryer sheets. <laughs> All right, interesting stuff. James, thanks for three great stories. Talk to you again next week. All right, buddy. Take care.